0: Filmmakers, it's time to use Soldo. Soldo is a payment solution that replaces petty cash given to employees and production assistants when in prep, on set, or in post-production. Soldo is a multi-user expense account that helps you control business spending. You can give Soldo cards to some or every employee, to entire teams or even contractors instantly. Transfer funds to all card holders. And you can use Soldo for free, for three months with the code Filmmakerspodsoldo.com. Listen for more info in today's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. The pod <laughs> fix. Network. Hello and welcome to episode 272 of The Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between how to get them made how to make them and how to try not to f it up in our very very humble opinion thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for clicking play on your podcast devices welcome to the filmmakers podcast if you are new if you're a regular listener thank you i am giles alderson joining me as my host today is phil hawkins how are you doing buddy hello i'm good thank you it's nice to be back I'm i one for a while. I
1: don't think I've done one since Christmas. Since the oh Christmas God, yes. special. So, sorry, everyone, I'm back.
0: He's back. On today's <laughs> episode, a very special guest is the fantastic and actually delightful person as well, wasn't he, Phil? He was great. He was honestly great. He, was, he really was. It is Peter Pock. He is the executive producer of Ty West's brand new film, X. Uh, it is out now everywhere on streaming devices but he's also produced okay there's a list here this guy is a legend he's a cult legend right he's made some amazing films the roost trigger man i can see you i sell the dead bitter feast hypothermia beneath stakeland one and two the house of the devil the innkeepers the sacrament valley of violence most beautiful island Deadwax. One BR, and obviously X. He was just so, so cool, and, and actually just wonderfully happy to talk. I mean, he, he he hosted it himself. Yeah, he pretty much hosted it himself. Me and Phil <laughs> were kind of like there to go, right, we'll help him along, and we,
1: he didn't need us. Yeah, we, we, were, we just were enjoying him talking to us now. Ask- we got in the way occasionally, trying to ask questions. <laughs> Obviously, if you're a horror aficionado, like, it's great and have a bit of a horror legend talking about, you know, stuff, but also, if not, like, so much great advice to producers and, and, that, and the side, that side of production. And You're so passionate talking about it. It was really refreshing and lovely to have someone so excitable and so personal talking about budgeting and deliverables. <laughs> You know, it was great. What will our audience learn, Phil? He'll um, talk about how he met Ty West and also how he's developed these lifelong collaborators. Like, you know, he's really kept people together as a team and grown together from all the way from film school to this day. What film got him into horror, uh, even though he wasn't a big horror fan before that, which is Mm -hmm. interesting, and how he's learned from mentors along the way. He also talks about what is a producer? What do they do?
0: It's the question we get often asked. What do you do? He describes that. He tells you why film festivals are great for indie filmmakers and getting named casts for an indie film. How he does it.
1: Yes. uh, And he also goes into the difference between a producer and an exec. Producer, working with directors, that was really interesting, and uh, shooting movies back to back, handling slates and how to deal with filmmakers like across the board, especially in COVID times, remote working and post, like. It's, it's a bu- it's a bumper episode man. it's bumper bumper as he talks about his
0: cult films how it feels now for him to be a filmmaker how he raises finance back then and how he does it now why you should have lots of ideas uh, honestly this is this is great for indie filmmakers this is great for filmmakers in general I, I you know I'm so pleased he asked to come on and and I was like well yeah
2: <laughs> and it was great to get <laughs> Phil
0: on because Phil has just wrapped his feature film a prancer tale it's a Christmas movie as you can probably guess we had we did touch on it at the Christmas special quiz episode. Phil was about to go off and shoot that. You are now back. Give us a quick insight because me and Phil have just recorded a very special episode that's probably going to go out soon that will be part of our Patreon episodes, but we might put it out as a special for you so you can get a taster. Give us in a
1: few words, Phil, how has that experience been? Wonderful, challenging, uh, and 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 a relief. Uh, no, the um, It's my first studio film, so it's a Universal Woo-hoo. and Sky movie, which, you know, for me, if anyone's heard me rattle on, uh, you know, making studio film is is why I'm here and what I want to do, so that was wonderful mm-hmm. to have the opportunity. And you know it was 32 days in the snow with a real-life reindeer and a 10-year-old lead and an 80-plus-year-old lead and basically everything they say don't make movies about. um mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and you did it. And we did it. And we did it. And and so you know with the chat we did, you know, touched on you know directing young performers and how to work with live animals on set and the choice of working with live animals versus CG. And and you know we we did a lot on. on it was funny. You we know, started out as a five-minute chat. To, into like a 40 minute... <laughs>
0: directing class directing sort of mini master class uh, and it was fantastic so that will be coming out on our patreon channel or like I say I might put it out on an actual channel but if you want to support the podcast do go sign up to our patreon on the patreon this week the extras for you if you like that we decide that aren't going to make the episode but make brilliant bonus content and that's over on our patreon page and on there uh, Peter talks about his first film uh, and the film scream and why it's an inspiration he also tells more behind the scenes tales and stories of his films of which there are loads and about the look of his latest film x directed by ty west obviously that is all in our patreon episode link to that is in the show notes but just search uh, patreon the filmmakers podcast and you'll find it there's loads of bonus content there for you come and join us come and join the gang and i just found out something phil you used to be able to subscribe to the podcast on itunes you can't anymore itunes have changed it or apple have changed it so now you have to follow there's a follow follow. button Right? I didn't know this until because I was trying to listen to another podcast.
1: They've changed the word and the button. Yeah, yeah, right? Subscribing is so last year. I I think it's the same. It's the same thing, right? It's It's the same thing. The buttons change. Change. So you'll see. So
0: there's no big subscribe anymore. So it's not easy. There's a plus button top right. So go there and then you will get this straight into your feed every week if you're not doing that. Do go do it because then you'll hear more of us uh, amazingness, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple of shout outs before we get to the episode with Peter Pock. We have shout-outs to Nikki Stewart-Hill, thank you for getting in touch, appreciate that a lot. Martin Neely, Simon Cox, he has his Indigo campaign. Simon Cox, yes, definitely shout-out about Simon Cox. Of course, he's got his campaign going now for his latest film of Infinite Worlds, uh, which is, is doing well, it's just started, a link to that, we'll find it and put it in the show notes. I've got so, my mug,
1: I had my mug from the I've first got my round. mug, it's downstairs. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've yeah, yeah. got a mug yeah. with Infinite Worlds, if you want your <laughs> mug too, then go do, go do that, uh, go support him and try and get his next film made uh elise affinity she emailed her film the ones you didn't burn it's absolutely brilliant trailer i imagine her and a producing partner will be coming on the podcast very soon but shouts to you thank you for emailing say how much you like the podcast michael peace again loads of love coming in at the moment for people saying they're really enjoying the episode so do keep that up i love it honestly it means a lot to us and jason Bullock, shout outs to you we have more shout outs but we'll do them next week <laughs> for now though phil we should get to the episode because it is so full of amazing knowledge it's chock full so we should probably just get to it and save our whittering on for another time we should enjoy right yeah as phil says sit back relax and basically go make your film after this go be inspired and go make your film make it happen do it do it do it do it i say every week but do it next week we've got an amazing guest for you but i'm going to keep that as a surprise so sit back relax and enjoy this week's episode with the fantastic peter pock Hey guys. Hey. Hey Peter. Peter, how are you buddy? I'm good, how you guys doing? Pretty good. Good thanks, Yeah. yeah. Did you have a love for film when you were a kid? Was that kind of, is that where you got this passion from to carry on making films, how ridiculously hard it is?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I you know, I, I distinctly recall, I think in high school when I really developed uh, a love for movies, you know, just like, you know, I think what we do as teenagers and that's just the way we congregated in, in multiplexes and, mm-hmm. you know, you'd watch a movie and you just come out and just couldn't stop raving about it. And so, and I think, you know, it was when Scream had come out and I really just was just like blown away, and I didn't really necessarily have like a, uh, I think before that such a you know an admiration for horror, but it just opened my eyes into that world, and mm-hmm. and was just like I want to make movies. It's just uh, you know whether it's escapism, the fantasy of it all. Um, I just loved it, and I wanted to learn you know everything I could about it. And I'm um, a young kid, a little bit shy in Long Island. And yeah. uh, told my parents, this is what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And so they were just like, what? Totally didn't understand me. But um, <laughs> you know, I was fortunate that they you know supported you know whatever ambition I had. And so I, I got into reading about filmmaking and uh, was fortunate to find a little two-day film school that was being offered in, the, in Manhattan. And I was living in Long Island, so it's probably about a 40, 45-minute train ride out to the city. Probably 16-year-old me uh, convinced my parents to pay for this two-day Seminar, but it was such an amazing crash course into like the brass tacks of of filmmaking in terms of how to. Uh, um, the gentleman is named uh, Dobb Simmons, and he has this yeah. two day crash Dobb course. Simmons. Yeah, Dobb Simmons.
0: He's got the amazing book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so this
2: is like how I kind of got into it, and I was young, mm. and and I'm in there in a room full of adults, and he had this sort of approach. It's like 37 checks that you have to write to make a movie, and that mm. was my crash course into like oh how to make a movie. And Mm. I came out of those two days just inspired and, and sort of like this confidence of like, Oh, I could do this. But there was still a lot more to learn, and then I ended up uh, converting one of my school projects into a short film, and just was like, I'm just gonna go for it, you know. And but that brought me to film school, and 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 I applied to School of Visual Arts, where I was uh, accepted, and that's where I met Ty. It wasn't until you know the four years at SVA, while I was a directing major, you know, I really thought I would lean into cinematography, you know, and mm-hmm. learned all the crafts. School of Visual Arts is a very technical school where. We were afforded um, the Bolex camera almost like our first week of school and shooting wow. on 16 millimeter reversal. Yeah. Um, so it was an incredible education. And you know, the, the most exciting part was just to meet other like-minded people. And mm-hmm. that's ultimately where Ty and I bonded. We had um, like our film history, freshman year class, everyone in that whole year is in that same class together. So, you know, you kind of recognize people. And we have another collaborator, um, Sean Reed, mm-hmm. who went to school with us. And um, he acted in, in in a lot of our, 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 our movies, uh, in The Roost, uh, he's in Trigger mm-hmm. Man. And he had classes with Ty and that's, in, and I knew Sean and that's how Ty and I sort of met initially and then we kept seeing each other in the editorial bays when we were editing our little films on like 16 millimeter and cutting them and, and yeah and then we just connected. He really brought me in like into the world of horror. I think like Ty knew horror. He had um, he grew up with the video store uh, and was always there checking out the latest, you know, and new, you know, VHS covers, you know, <laughs> DVD covers, you know, and I think that's like, you know, in a way, like some of the visual reference I have for movies uh, that I hadn't seen but I re- would remember the cover.
0: Yeah, I love that. What I really like about what you're saying there as well is the, the collaboration Join yeah. between, It's kind of like finding your tribe and then going, well, let's stick together. I because
1: say the exact same worth Giles Unbelievable! It's, like, you know, <laughs> <film>. <laughs> it's playing the tribe, because, or maybe it's been brainwashed by listening to this podcast. Maybe, uh, maybe, but, like, yeah. no, but people like, I, you know, you get contact, people email all the time and say like, how do I get into this? How do I get into that? How can I work with you? How can I, you know, and it's like, well you find your tribe and you kind of grow together. Together, and everyone like learns the lessons as that as it goes forward, and you're a great testament to that with you and Ty and other collaborators going forward <laughs> and like now into films like X and work with a H24 and all this kind of stuff like it's a journey you know It just doesn't happen overnight by sending an email so it's really I think it's really important for people to kind of hear that to look <laughs> a, look to the side and grow with people you know I think that's important
2: yeah 100% yeah I mean it's you know it's 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 just defining that community wherever you know and that's something else that like so while we were at SVA Ty I had an opportunity to meet with Larry Fessenden, and and ended mm-hmm. up interning with Larry, Great. and 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 that relationship, um, you know, kind of evolved, you know, as we graduated, Larry. Told Ty, like, you know, well, what's stopping you from making a feature? And, you know, if I could help you with a little bit of, 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 of money, you know, with, is that what it would take? Yes, please. And, <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> the first answer. No, yes, actually, please. I don't need the money. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah, so Larry, um, through his company, Glass I Pix, uh, was really, you know, like down to help um, Larry himself as a filmmaker, um, mm-hmm. as a, as a, Known as a you know an artist of the East Village community in New York City, through his company, you know, helped a lot of emerging filmmakers, and, mm, uh, yeah. and Ty was one of them. And, you know, we had graduated in May of um, 2003, and we're on set on The Roost in October of 2003.
0: Wow. I love that. Obviously, you had the tr- training, you know, in film school, but kind of nothing prepared you for making a feature film
2: (laughs) the training that we had in film school is very different from what you learn on set and uh, i was fortunate to to get uh mentored uh, by a producer that larry had brought on susan lieber so i just kind of learned i mean she's a a new york city independent producer and line producer and i say line producer because that is the nuts and bolts of of filmmaking you know they Mm -hmm. deal with the budget and you know and then you know, and then the world, you know, of the, of the crew. And I kind of fell into production management on that, on that movie and, and really mm-hmm. learned what that meant, you know, and, and supporting the crew and what their needs are and anticipating. The next day's work, and for each production, I'm always learning. And I think you know, I was really mm-hmm. grateful for all those years. And because it, it's tough to break in, I mean, it's you know, yeah. there's no secret, and you know, every path is different. But you know, I think you just have to have a determination, you know, to to keep at it. I don't think I made any money working on that movie. I'll be honest, you know <laughs> but I didn't. It, that wasn't why I was doing it. You know, no,
0: of course not. Straight up film school. It's a great credit. You know, I mean, it's literally like let's take the credits and you surrounding yourself with amazing people. The fact that you got a, an experienced producer on straight away that you could learn from absolutely even though at the time you didn't necessarily want to be a production manager necessarily like you mentioned there how important it was to watch and see the grassroots do you think if you'd come in as the producer and there'd been another production manager you might not have seen that side of it and you might not have understood some of the roles being a production manager you see a lot you know you see you see a lot of what goes on the unfiltered view of filmmaking do you think that really helped for you to grow as a producer and, and you glad it went
2: that way. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I had, you know, the opportunity to PA on a couple of other independent movies prior to, to getting out of a film school. Mm-hmm. And so I, I gotten to, to sort of be, you know, on set and on independent movies, you know, I think, um, especially, you know, really ultra low budget independent movies. I mean, you're wearing multiple hats in, mm-hmm. in every role that you're doing. And so, you know, and I just wanted to learn and experience and befriend people, the, you know, we were, on the Roost, we were accompanied by another classmate of ours, Eric Robbins, who's our cinematographer on the Roost, yeah. and who, who goes on to to also shoot the sacrament with us, as yeah. well as in a Valley of Violence. And so, I mean, it was just building, you know, this community of, of people that we just enjoyed the company and then their artistry and their commitment to the work.
0: Which is great, because you, you also did other jobs, your first ADing on projects, and you were helping out on other things, but then did you have that hankering to go, no, I want to produce because that's exactly kind of what you did moving forward. You were like, no, no, I'm that's the role I want to do, and it seems that way. Did you really sort of push to say, no, look, I can do this and I will produce? And did that what happened with Trigger Man that you were like, look, this is what I want to do. Believe in me that I can do this.
2: Yeah. So I think something that's really important that like I realize. Um, so in film school, you're you know we have to well certainly at the School of Age Arts you, you kind of choose your concentration and producing wasn't a, a a concentration track. It was like editing, writing, cinematography, directing. Mm. And so I, 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 I was in the <laughs> yeah. directing program and that builds up into making a thesis film, a final film of all movies that I was really inspired to do. And I was always ambitious. And so I had seen Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge, this you know, musical, and I thought, oh, I, I could make a musical, that would be fun. And while I had a good time, you know, there was the challenges because, well, I don't know how to make, write music. And, and, uh, and I also didn't know how to produce. You know, more importantly, and that's what I'm getting at, like, you know, you, you know, making all these short films, you know, we're just kind of scrambling to do it. But like, what does that really mean? And I learned on my thesis, how difficult it was to direct without having someone that's focused on creating that environment in order to, to direct it. And so that is what the producer and the line producer and production manager and an AD create, you know, together. You know, is all the preparation is that it's done ahead of time is so that we can be there on set and have those, you know, that precious moment where the director and the, and the actors can really work together with, in, you know, in unison with the the, the crafts people. So I mean, like cut to uh, two thousand and six when Ty at this point had written The House of the Devil, but the financing hadn't come in for it. So he was getting a little like, you know, like we had made the roost and it had been some time and he was very like, you know, eager to get back into making something. He had gone to South by Southwest and uh, the Seaches Film Festival with the roost and met other filmmakers and they were making their subsequent movies. And so he was, and this is also when DV video cameras start to come out at the rise of a lot of DV films. And, you know, at that, at that point, it's just a medium in which, you know, you're going to use to capture your story, but it's still about the story. That you know, while you know we would, you know, it, you know, until the opportunity to make House of Devil comes about, let's make something else. And so he wrote Trigger Man, which was an opportunity to write something like, you know, contained and tight, and you know, went back to Larry and said, Larry, can we uh, make this really you know tiny movie and for less money than the roost? And and Larry was like, Well, okay, sure. And even at that point, I think Ty, you know, he's wearing his own producer hat. In that, like, well, I'm from... Uh, Delaware, and I have access to you know these locations mm-hmm. in my hometown and the support that I could have there. And so, mm-hmm. like you know, and you know, you read all the books, you know. At that point, you know, we're all aware of Kevin Smith's start, you know, making yeah, the Clerks yes. and uh, Rebel a Crew from Rodriguez. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you yeah. know, you know the stories, and you just know that like you know, it's not going to just happen unless you just make it happen. And then so that's you know, that's what we did. And, and Ty at that point emailed me, and I was traveling uh, internationally, and I was getting back, and he's like, "We're going to make a movie," and this is it and you know and Larry says that you can produce and I said okay and so you know it's like yeah because the, you know the stakes were you know low it weren't a lot of money I mean we're talking cool. yeah. you know I think at the time maybe $15,000 mm-hmm. um, and yeah. you know and then that, that you know when you added Post to it, it kind of grew a little bit more, but I mean, you know, it wasn't that much more and we were able to sell it and, you know, and it proved, you know, this is when the home video market was still thriving. Mm-hmm. So you could, you know, we could experiment and, and uh, it was a great time to, to be able to afford this opportunity to go do it.
1: And perfect for genre as well, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of people trying to make the same sort of thing, but maybe a more kind of art house leaned, or maybe kind of an overly ambitious, you know, version of like a sci-fi, <laughs> you know, whereas to make horror that is like DV, Almost direct to consumer kind of you know, mm-hmm. deal is like it's like a perfect storm, isn't it? You know, of like people passionate about horror know the tricks, know what works. You know, and uh, almost go back to the whole VHS kind of feel of uh, of of making movies. I mean, it's it's a great yeah. great genre to be in at that time. You know,
0: totally. It was flying. How did it feel for you then to go? Okay, I'm producing a movie. Did you feel like it was just kind of? I mean, there's a lot to do, as you know. But was it kind of? Did you thrive in there? Did you? learn from mistakes did you you know looking back now talk us through it
2: i'm still learning from mistakes to this day for sure right so, we I all mean, do right you know, <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know and i think you know and I'm, I'm always eager to learn about new new approaches and um, but yeah i mean at the time what did that mean producing you know mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. you know what it means is like you know you're responsible from taking the project sort of from the beginning to the end and then the end is like not just you know finishing the editorial but like through delivery which is, you know, when you, you sell the movie to a distributor and then, you, you know, create all the elements that they need so that they can put the movie out into the world. And, you know, you know production was barely, I think, like 10 days or something like that. Um, and I had developed a skill set of, you know, taking the script, breaking it down, making a shooting schedule building a budget, you know. I was, you know, all that, all that stuff I learned, you know, with computers, you know, I was I was savvy and, um, and I had a business um, knack, if you will. Yeah, I was very proud to like, you know, I'll say The Trigger Man was the first movie I outright produced, you know, saw th- through it. But, you know, we were very contained, you know. It was like, the crew was Ty and myself and a makeup artist right. um, and three actors, you know. So, you know, I'm helping Ty during the day, you know, with the camera and I'm booming. And you know, making you know, and I'm running, you know, transpo, and like you know, Ty's mom was helping us with like lunches and like yeah, exactly. You know, so it's it's like that, but it's like you know, we're all young and friends, and you know, he casted you know Sean Reed and a couple other friends of his, and you know, in the roles, yeah, Ray Sullivan and and Reggie Cunningham, and you know, we it didn't feel like you know a big movie by any means, because it wasn't. Um, you know but I did have to do the adult thing which was you know Trigger Man is is not complete without rifles everyone's you know they're going on this hunting trip and so Mm -hmm. I had to figure out how to you know go rent some some rifles you know how are we doing this
0: how did you sell the film then because it seems like you know you you did take to it like a duck to water in a way you were like okay I'm going to stand up I'm the one you know trying to lead the ship in some way even though it's a small crew you've still got to like say go through that whole edit process and then get the movie out into the world how did you Find that process as a first timer, you know, literally going. Please take our movie, someone please. Obviously, you have Larry on your side, which really helps, I imagine, for yeah. that support. But yet you're leading the ship. So how did you navigate those choppy waters? Yeah,
2: I mean, Larry was always there to support. You know, the the creative process, very, mm-hmm. very. You know, he always supported like the filmmaker and, and 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 creatively where you know Ty was going with the movie. At this point, you know, we already made the roost. You know, like as a as a community together. So Ty had already been familiar with South by Southwest as a film festival, which invited the roost. That was the first festival. And so South by was already like, this is where we should go. Ty had such a great time there. Uh, Matt Dentler at the time was running the film festival, who's now an executive over at Apple these days. But Uh Matt has been instrumental into not only supporting our careers and journey as filmmakers, but also many others, including Joe Swamberg, Amy Simons, you know, just name a, a few other filmmakers. So getting, you know, you send the movie to, to basically Matt at that point. He's like the head programmer. And then you hope that like he likes it and invites likes the movie to, to screen. <laughs> and, and, and that's essentially what came about. I mean, at this point, you know, I think while my forte was, I think, in production at this point and and post, you know, the, you know, sales distribution is still something I'm, you know, learning and still learning. I mean, it's always, you know, because the the market is always changing. But, you know, our approach was get the movie into a film festival, you know, screen and get, you know, good positive reviews. And then, um and hopefully that will then elicit, you know, interest in sales. And so, you know, you talk to basically, you know, the the salespeople that we had worked with previously and between getting into South by playing well there and then we had the LA Film Festival at the time um, was our second stop and. Between those two, we had interest from their screenings at South By. And at this point, you know, Ty's already had made one Miller movie. So, you know, there's a little bit more visibility out there, you yeah. know, especially with the film, I think in competition. And I mean, South By is a great festival to get, you know, sort of noticed. I mean, like, that's the, you know, yeah,
1: that, that's the one, isn't it? You know, mm. especially for genre filmmakers, that's the one we all want. So we all crave.
2: Yeah. And and so from there, you know, you then, um, you know, we, we just follow up on our, on the, on the leads and then you try to find the, you know, sale either international sales company or distribution company, the domestic one that, you know, is, you know, kind of like really gets the film and wants to support the film. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then you just go ahead and make a deal and this hope that it works, you know, kind of all works out. Yeah, totally.
0: And that's the thing when you first start, you kind of hope, And you feel scared to go into a deal, you know, in the distribution or the sales side, because you're worried that you're going to get the rug pulled from under you or, you know, they're going to rip you off or whatever, because you hear all these stories all the time. How did you navigate that? How did you, you know, guess at the start? Obviously you've read all the books and people had said what to do and you had advice, but still it's frightening when there's that contract in your inbox and you've got to read it and go through it and know what you're talking about.
2: I mean, at some point, you know, you you start out to have to, like, you know, you you basically are, are looking, you're doing your research into who's the company that you're working with and you're talking to the other filmmakers that they work with and you're getting all that sort of referential information references that's it you trust your gut that like this is the right partnership um mm-hmm. but you, you know i also like you know i don't think it's helpful to get hung up on it either you know we approached it like let's get the film made and out there in an effort to get the next one so you know at that point when trigger man was getting out and you know we were trying to do our deal i recall ty was already shooting on cabin fever 2 right so he, you know, he's focused on an opportunity that, you know, was forwarded to him from Eli. And I was already moving into making I don't or already at, right after Trigger Man, I think. It wasn't long where Larry had then greenlit Graham Resnick, which is like, who's, uh, you know, Graham Resnick's film, I Can See You. And Graham and Ty grew up together. So we literally... Wow. What happened in this place where all yeah. these amazing
1: horror filmmakers were like, what happened? was there water. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's the water. The zombie water. You said you didn't even went into horror until you met these people. Like, <laughs> yeah. how, what, what was yeah. you feeding I, you, Peter? <laughs> right. yeah.
2: So, yeah, I mean, and Graham was going to school at NYU. So he's also in the city. so. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm already meeting him, and, and it's funny because that's like I remember meeting Graham early on. And it was very intimidated. He had like a full grown beard already, and I was just like, "Who's wow, this, this older funny. gent?" And <laughs> you know, and it was just the way that Graham carried himself as like, you know, with the you know, the cowboy bolo tie and you know, and a hat. And uh, but yeah, Graham's you know, in, in, you know, incredible filmmaker in his own right, which is why I think he's such a good sound designer because he's always thinking as a filmmaker and the storytelling of it all. But yeah, I mean, Graham and Ty went to high school together and then ended up, you know, kind of doing, going different different routes to college, but still kind of working together. And, and Graham would always kind of help Ty with his sound design. And so even the early shorts, I mean, Ty always had incredible sound design. And, and I was like, what's your wep- what's your secret weapon? And it was Graham. And in all these years, like, you know, Graham has continued to support Ty on these movies together as Graham's, you know, has been going down his own path. And he was, you know, incredibly influenced by David Lynch hitch Larry on, on this movie. I can see you. I, I recall reading the script and not really sure. I understood what was going on, but right. it was just an out of the opportunity. So you just say yes. And you go do it.
0: Right. And, yep, you know, and it's
2: just like, we're going back to Wilmington, Delaware, where we shot trigger man to the same park. Okay. <laughs> same part. Same policeman going. Yeah. Like, oh, you again. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it was. It, you know, it it, it it was like a really interesting time, 2000 and, um, and six for me to do that. And then when I got back from doing Graham's movie and Graham's getting into editorial, now checking in on Ty. I get another script, and it's you know from this Irishman, Glenn McQuaid, yeah. that Larry also is like, had worked with him on last winter the VFX supervisor, and Larry says, "Yeah, I want to make uh, this movie. It's this period uh, grave robbing movie." and uh you know what do you think you know <laughs> yeah and and i was like well i don't know how we're gonna make i'm like yes love the characters but i don't know how we're gonna do this on you know this little of a budget but you know you know let's figure it out and that's what we start to do
0: and that was i sell the dead right that's right yeah. i sell the dead yeah i say with these again it's micro budgets at the time but yet for you like you say just jump in and learn so much from these and it must have been so much fun as well as the difficulties that come with making a film yeah but also for you as a you know that someone like larry is trusting you to go yeah here you go here's go go produce this oh here's another one go produce this how did that feel for you at the time because this is your dream and suddenly now it's happening someone's actually going yeah yeah here's another job and they they, yeah that yeah we'll we'll fund that film oh
2: i mean incredibly surreal like you know you don't you know you you just can't believe it and you know yeah when larry sent me to delaware initially on 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 trigger man it was like here's like 15 checks that i've already signed you know? know You know, it was just like, you know, because <laughs> you know, we're just, you know, paying right out of the company and like glass eye picks checks. And I was like, okay, I think I had a, you know, a very trustworthy nature about myself. And so, yeah, you, do. you know, yeah. I think with I Tell Dead, I mean, I think at this point, like, you know, yes, we're, we're still in the world of micro budget. At least we, we we approached it initially that way. But I wanted to, you know, I had my own ambitions and they were growing and so I had met with Glenn and I said, Glenn, you know, you know we're casting this movement. Like, who do you have in mind? And he's describing Arthur Blake to me. And, you know, and I'm thinking like, okay, like, you know, we're, you know, we're somewhere in the British Isles. It's, you know, it's this late like 17th century, you know, like, you know, and Larry's playing Willie Grimes. He's in it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had already played him in a short that Glenn made previously called Resurrection Apprentice. And with this young, uh, young actor, Daniel Manchi, in it. And so I see the short and the short actually ends up in the movie and it was shot on film. So we were able to scan it and then put it in and it added a little bit more texture to the movie because we we, we brought Daniel Manchi back who plays young Arthur as the young apprentice. And then, you know, I get this idea because I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm always watching a lot of movies and 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 even TV like series. And mm-hmm. Lost was huge at the time. Dominic Monaghan's on the show. And we all know him because you know, we'd seen him in, in Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and, you know, and, you know, if I'm not a Peter, you know, of course I'm a Peter Jackson fan, but Ty is a huge Peter Jackson fan with right. that taste and all those nights spent in Wilmington, Delaware at his parents' house, you know, in the basement sleeping, you know, we're watching the extended <laughs> cut. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. so yeah. it's not lost on us who Don Monahan is. And I yeah. said, Glenn, well, what about this guy, that. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, what do you think? And I think, you know, you know. Glenn was like, "Yeah, great." And then Larry teased me for the longest time. You know, my man crush. You know, oh, and I said, "Watch." And then, and I was bold and and got his uh, his reps info from like IMDb Pro mm-hmm. and just cold called him and pitched him. And I, I just said, that. "Hey, you know." Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm literally like, you know, so nervous, but you know, yeah. But what's
1: the worst thing that can happen? They say, exactly. "No, right?" Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: You know. You know. And they're asking questions about the financing Mm -hmm. and I said, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we're working on it. And just, you know, it's like, you know, you know, you talk about gatekeepers and, you know, there's an assistant, but he did connect me to, you know, his agent. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, we got this project and I think, you know, he'd be incredible for it. You know, like, let me send it to you, you know, and they agreed. And so... We put together you know, a package of like the script, personalized note from Glenn, why, you know, he should do the role. Mm-hmm. But then we had some other like sort of secret weapons. David Bell, our production designer from The Roost, all the way back from The Roost, yeah. uh, is a super talented illustrator. And he has done some sketches on some location photographs that we had taken because, you know, how are we also going to transform New York and Long Island into... The British Isles. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, especially 17th century. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we had this, this, we had this bar called The Scratcher in, in the East Village that Larry would go to and um, knew the owner. And, you know, it was just this, like, basement bar. And then, like, you know, but we took it. And then David had sketched out, like, you know, pillars to make it more you know, Victorian. I think the combination of those, plus Larry had always, you know, kind of made a lot of comic books of his own stuff. And so he had access to artists like Bram Ravel, who did the early rendering for what I Sell the Dead's like comic book ended up becoming Mm -hmm. and so we had some of these story bits you know so like you're not just getting a script that like nobody wants to read you know you're getting visual material with it that invites you into the world and Mm -hmm. so when dom talks about it he's like oh i get this package and it's like comic books awesome and he's flipping (laughs) through and then it's you know so then he reads it and it's like i mean i couldn't you know i'll tell you it was like Getting a call from him from Hawaii, like two weeks later, you know, and it's, it's him like, you know, you know, this actor from a show that I'm like a big fan of, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, calling me and like talking about the movie. It's like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to talk, I want to meet with you guys, you know? And, uh, and so it it started the journey. And then Larry loves to tell the tale of how we, I think the Emmys were going on, you know, in Los Angeles and we already cast Ron Perlman in the, in, in the movie. And which so, is
0: also an amazing coup as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, let's not brush over that.
2: Which had to do with, you know, Ron being in last winter, Glenn being the visual effects supervisor on that movie where they were shooting in Iceland. So there was time, FaceTime that, that Glenn had with Ron and, right. and, you know, and kind of pitched him. And, you know, and ultimately when it boils down to it, it's only a couple days together. Mm. Right. Mm. It's, you know, so it's not a huge burden and, you know, and I think you can get access to, to more established and, and more visible talents if you, you know, condense the time that you need with them. Right. So it's not, you know, you know, and so then they're there for you know a week and you know, you can shoot them out and they're part you of the know. movie. So then we decide to go to LA and this is like, you know, LA is not something that's like very familiar to me. So it's like a big trip for Glenn and Larry and I to go to LA to go meet with Ron and introduce Ron to Dom, who we're also meeting for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have this dinner and I mean, the two guys just sort of really connected, hit it off. And then Glenn is such a charming, you know, Irishman with his with his tail and, you know, he's such a lovely guy. So it, it was just like, the chemistry was there. We just knew that this was gonna kind of come to fruition. And it was just a matter of when were we going to do this? And we weren't sure when, you know, Dom would you know kind of finish the season on Lost. And if that meant that we could still shoot with with Ron but Ron was up for Hellboy 2 mm-hmm. and then you know the schedules you know you always hear about actors kind of falling out because of scheduling and it's, it's yeah. a real thing it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a real know, thing. It's a puzzle
1: meanwhile you're not letting Don want to spoil Lost for you by going are you in the show are you are you going to be out anyway? <laughs> is it real and <laughs> 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 <No, please, both. laughs>
0: um, by the way Dominic Monaghan has been on the podcast episode 191 um, for anyone who wants to go find it he's amazing <laughs> I'm funny yeah it's incredible out. yes Super supportive yeah. and, uh, so and still a,
2: a fan. I mean, Glenn has written a a, a follow up to that movie okay. that brings all those characters back in his own you know world. So maybe one day we will uh, be back with uh, Grime, with the Adventures of Grime and Blake.
0: Fan mail. Fan mail. Sponsored by Saldo. So, Tobias, which famous person wrote to us this week? A bloke called Ethan Hunt wrote to us. Mm -hmm. You may know him from the Mission Impossible series. Oh, yeah. Must have been really difficult to get hold of him. Yeah, he's always on a time limit, that guy. So, he wrote to us as he wants to make a remake of Face Off. Hmm, he'd be good in that role. Which one? Either. Do you know what he's just hunting for an opportunity, I reckon? Ha. As we at The Film Export are at the forefront of indie filmmaking, he Mm -hmm. has asked us for help. Can we help? Of course we can! Because we use Soldo. What soldo? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Toby. Soldo has been expanding into the film industry and it's going to be an absolute game changer for filmmakers and how film budgeting and production flow is managed. Basically, it's a payment solution that replaces his petty cash given to employees or production assistants. Get three months for free by using the code FILMMAKERSPOD.
1: This message will self-destruct in five seconds.
0: Oh, we should probably get back to him. Oh, don't worry, Ethan, we won't leave you hanging.
1: Famous.
0: Now we could, obviously, look, there's so much of your career because the next stage you went to, you know, the house of the devil, the one that you were talking about with Ty, the one that we wanted to make. Now, obviously, after Cabin Fever 2, it might have been a lot easier for him. Suddenly it's like, oh, okay, what else have you got? All right, well, I want to make this that I've been wanting to make for a while. And what's really nice is that you were brought in as well. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, I'm still here. I'm making movies and you're part Mm. of that team. Because a lot of the time when people suddenly so make it they go off and exec producers or whatever say oh well use this producer use my friend use my friend and i love it when teams stick together and like you say you're this sort of mini family you know that you all found each other and then now you're back working with ty again on house of the devil do you want to just talk us a bit through
2: that i still dead at this point is in is into post and mm-hmm. um now the money showed up for uh in you know, a House of the Devil. And then and Ty told those producers like, well, well, Pete's busy. He's doing I Sell the Dead. But then, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, yeah, let's figure this out. And Larry's a producer on, on House of the Devil uh, with the other producers that had originally commissioned Ty to write that script. And so, yeah, you know, I'm jumping in to, you know, figure out where and how much we're, you know, it's gonna cost to make this. And Ty, and, and at this point I know, you know, how Ty wants to make the movie. I mean, he wants to shoot on film and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, the, and and I, at this point, also, I saw the debt had had grown from micro. I mean, it's still from micro budget to like sort of an ultra low budget. I mean, it's we're hitting the seven figures, and so in terms of budget, so I, I'm now more confident at commanding you know the million dollar budget, and it's right. like you know, which right. is like you know from fifteen thousand dollars to you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like yeah, I'm responsible for a lot more money, and now you're taking into account like tax credits and like how does that work and learning that and and you know and you just you know inform yourself with other people who are more knowledgeable about it. You know, you find the, the experts and there and, and the resources are out there if you're willing to kind of look, you know. All the payroll companies have tax credit experts that will like, you know, guide you through and every town has a film commissioner, you know, or a tax credit administrator who will also walk you through their specific credit because like, well, you know, I'm not you know knowledgeable in every one of them, but the ones that like you know are of interest at work, you know, I'm always going to check in to see what the latest is and how it works. But yeah, we get into House of the Devil, which you know had its challenges. I think it was like when you're making movie that the devil, you can't avoid you know things that go wrong and like you know the whole movie shot you know on nights and you know we're in Connecticut, which is the first of many movies I go and shooting in Connecticut because you know we. We stay at a place called the Yankee Peddler Inn while we're making the House of the Devil, which becomes the genesis for the return when Kai makes the innkeepers because he's informed by his own experiences, you know?
1: You just show at the same time, come back, shoot that film, go back, you know, two days yeah, uh, exactly. back
2: to back. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was extraordinary to, um, to call the hotel and say, hey, remember us? That rowdy group of like young people who just, you know, basically never slept because we're always making the movie. (laughs) And then we'd come back super rowdy in the morning and then go to sleep during the day and then go back, you know, uh, out to, (laughs) to shoot again at night. And um, they were like, "Yeah, of course we remember you guys." And I'm like, <laughs> Well, we want to come back and make uh, you know a haunted hotel movie. What do you think? And the hotel has a, a lore of already being you know um, yeah. uh, of, of, of in, in, you know inhabited by uh, Mrs. Connolly. They were really delighted to have us back. And That's you know good. the best part about this is that now you know I can treat the whole thing as a location and not like a hotel. You know. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, being more cost efficient. If as a location, I don't have to pay your hotel tax, you know, Mm. that you're paying, you know? And so it was just like, you know, this is how we doing it. And I mean, it was the best community, you know, you wake up and you go downstairs and you're (laughs) 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 on.
1: Saved on that transportation. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So,
2: um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was, you know, I mean, the glass Eye picks was like, you know, I mean, I was very grateful to being a part of you know, this community that Larry had basically built and assembled and house of the devil set us up with uh dark sky films, uh, mm-hmm. NPI media group, um, uh, based out of Orlin, um, park in, in Illinois, just outside Chicago. Um, they were very supportive of house of the devil and then glass Eye picks. So invested in a, a multi-picture deal Amazing. to make more movies, and that's Amazing. when you know, and of course, you know, we're heading into a global recession in 2009. Mm-hmm. So you know, the opportunity to like have you know a couple movies sort of greenlit, you know, and you know, and it was strategic where three movies, different budget sizes, and we are now looking at figuring out the you know, le- you know, the right filmmaker for those movies and what they want to do, and those movies became. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bitter Feast, mm-hmm. hypothermia yep. and Stakeland. amazing. Mm-hmm. And you know, and they're you know, they're, um, you know, their business model is like it's a slate. So you know, if, if one of the movies kind of really can perform, it just covers the cost of you know the whole slate, and that's you know certainly what it came about.
1: Uh, so are you are you execing these now? Is that you're looking after the slate, and this is are you like still producing?
2: No, I mean I'm I'm still an on the ground physical producer. Yeah, through all those movies, and then. Get through that. Uh, I hadn't worked with Larry as a director at this mm-hmm. point yet, so I mean, if we're, you know, to jump ahead, a Chiller had given Larry an opportunity, which was a Sci-Fi sister network, to make uh, a monster, a creature feature of his own right. You know, yeah. his fish in the lake movie. Larry's like, "Yeah, let's go do it." And I'm like, "I don't know how we're going to do this one. This is like
0: <laughs> every time you've said that." A lake, no way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but uh, you know, trial by fire. You know, you know, but you know, always proud to get through it because I think you know, like that. Father through is important and Mm -hmm. um get through that and then right after we we wrap and larry goes off into editorial ty calls me up and says hey like eli is working with these financiers and they've agreed to make the sacrament so you know I, I need you and Jacob to go meet with them. And and Jacob Jatke, who had been on all these movies from I Sell the Dead as a coordinator, then mm-hmm. as a production manager on House of the Devil, and then worked with me on Innkeepers. So, you know, it's like a natural progression. And he came up, and at this point, I think he had already produced a, a, another movie on his own right, Sleepwalk With Me. So he took the lead into producing. I was still wrapping up Duties on Beneath, then joined him in Georgia where, you know, we were building father's compounds, you know, Eden parish, uh, in the sacrament and get there. And, um, you know, see that movie sort of unfold. And this time, now the movie's even, you know, grown a lot bigger. I mean, the budget is, you know, multi-million dollar. And we're working with a union crew. You know, so then the experience is getting informed. Now we have a, a professional line producer there. And so then you're kind of learning from from what, he, you know, how he approaches it. And and it, this is great. I'm just absorbing more, you know, knowledge.
1: Are you, are you missing not making the sandwiches and holding the boom at this point? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really, it's a really beautiful yeah, the story of like this community that's grown through these budgets and 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 kind of not leaving anyone behind, as Giles kind of said earlier, and and things. It's kind of really interesting that you've all grown together and also taking on these all these different roles. Like, oh, he. he did that film, that thing on that film and then grew onto this thing. So for you, like having done all this stuff going forward into these bigger films, like was there, and with, you know, bigger partners and things, was there ever a worry that that community might break up or was it just kind of together we're stronger and that, that's how we make our films and, you know, Ty obviously on board with it and you have your team and was that ever a worry, you know?
2: I don't think it was a worry. It was nothing. It was just like, you know, I mean, we're all just kind of growing as, as I think, as humans, as adults, yeah. you know, yeah. And so I think, you know, you know, time just informs us all of just where we're at in our lives, you know, and, you know, and Ty would always say that, like, you know, I think because there's, you know, there have been on X like collaborators that weren't able to join us, you know, for different reasons. And, you know, at this point, I think, you know, we're all very understanding of just the circumstances that are, I mean, you know, X is, you know, sort of a miracle in its own right to be made during a pandemic, you know, and, you know, the choice to go to New Zealand meant not everyone could go. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it also meant that the movie could still get made. And, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we are all in service of the movie. You know, yeah. I think, it, you know, it's always. like number one is, you know, safety yeah. first, movie second. You know?
0: <laughs> what do you think it is that you do as a producer that you've learned along the way that could actually help some of our listeners?
2: Well, I think it it, uh, it is about listening to the filmmaker's needs and being mm. a good advocate for, for those needs. You're wearing a lot of different hats as a producer. Every filmmaker is always going to be a little different in, and how much they need to know of the world that's, that's, you know, of that's going on with making the movie. Some, Filmmakers really want to know everything. Like Mm -hmm. Ty is one of those filmmakers who's like, you know, like I understand filmmaking. So don't, you know, you know, withhold information, you know, but then other filmmakers are like, no, I don't need to worry about that. You got it, you know, and it's building that, you know, rapport very early on in the collaboration, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and continue on it. I think it's all about communication and just being honest with what the needs are. And my approach with, you know, with, you know, I think the way I budget is like, okay, well, what's important to you? in the elements in the script that, you know, that commands, let's say, you know, more resources. And I said, okay, if that's important, well, that must mean that we must um, pull back on some other elements, does that work, you know? So it's like, if you wanna shoot on film, let's say that's a choice, what does that mean? Maybe it means less, Shooting days. Yes.
1: Yeah. But it's really interesting that it sounds like in everything he talks about, and like, you know, your positivity and theism for producing is 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 great and, and really comes across is that like you want to say yes. I feel like you're the, the filmmakers you work with, you're like, what do you need? Okay, I might not be able to give you everything, but you say it's like that give and take a little bit. And I feel like for me, that's what makes a great producer is like someone's not fighting for you straight away. It's like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. No, we can't mm. afford that. It's like, how can we afford that? That. it's interesting On in your previous films you would say always started out by saying i don't know how we're going to do this but you know and, yeah, and that and that's the key you know and that's cool that that's a really nice thing as a filmmaker it's a really nice thing to hear from producers to go like i'll try yeah, we, we all know that we don't have 150 million dollars and if we did you still probably want more <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so so it's really nice and i guess that's what makes these relationships grow is that you're so supportive. Of that, do you do you agree? I'm not just putting words. In your I, mouth. Yeah I, mean, yeah. yeah,
2: I think so. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm definitely. Yeah, I was after I mean, to clickbait definitely there,
1: Peter. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, you have to be, a, you know, a cheerleader of the, you know, of the yes. of, of the whole process. You know what yeah. I mean? And and I think you know, and you got to like it. You know, otherwise you're you may be there for the wrong reasons. You know, and and I think a big part of why I still enjoy this work, you know, as challenging it is, is mm. is the community. You know, it's like. You know, when I'm crewing up, I want to work with other, um, people who I just, you know, simply enjoy their energy, yeah. mm. um, the reasons why they're there and, you know, this collaboration. I mean, on X, um, you know, it was a different experience. I wasn't, um, in New Zealand with them on production. Um, I was at home like this on a lot of Zoom calls, mm-hmm. right. working with our assistant editor, uh, Scott Milligan in New Zealand right. and, uh, David Kasheroff, our editor, in Los Angeles, and while I was living in Los Angeles at the same time, we actually never got to meet in person until the mix. I mean, because yeah. of the circumstances with COVID, I mean, wow. it just—it's you know—we were just in this bubble. But you know, and on the other side of the world, you know, a day and a half ahead of us, you know, they were shooting and footage was coming in, and we came up with this incredible workflow in order for David to get access to footage and sustain the edit while the movie's happening. Really, sort of, you know, kind of worked out. It was very exciting for Ty to kind of. Wrap the movie and then have a cut that was sort of there for him to first look at. I was
1: going to ask because it's because mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'm going through this right now on on, on, a, on a film, but like because Ty is the editor as such, like you know, so he has you, a t- obviously trusted partner of many many years, especially someone that's over post in the technical side of things, and you know, you've cut stuff together, right? You're showing those timelines and and stuff, um, like knows that like that's happening, and you've you've got like an assistant editor that's kind of working, maybe putting assemblies together or something, so. If there are things missing or things are things of pickups and stuff, he's not losing. Because, you know, usually, you know, you'd have the editor and the editor's working and picking up the phone going like, hey, maybe we need this or it'll be nice to get this or maybe we missed that. But it's interesting that because he has you and has an assistant editor, he doesn't have to worry about missing out on that kind of layer of um, filter on the rushes, as it were, you know, is as, as that's kind of what, what how it works on that? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah.
2: I mean, to, to, yeah, I think you're accurate. So, I mean, I, I mean, at this point, you know, you're obviously you're in production, you have, you know, the the the, the, the concerns of production to deal with right and and all the elements that you can't control you know coming at you and while covid wasn't the major issue that we were dealing with in new zealand um you know weather was and you know we're also trying to you know shoot new zealand for texas and so Mm -hmm. uh, at that point as long as the footage was being shot you know he's trusting that i'm in a position you know of making sure that all that is happening that the footage is you know is, you know, is coming through, we did a lot of preliminary prep work to ensure that the color science that we were, you know, that yes. was what Ty was most important in in, in, interested in. And is this digital now? Sorry. Is this, was it yes, digital? Yeah. 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 So ah, unfortunately, okay. because, which is, you know, because of the pandemic, I mean, yeah, it uh, been and circumstances, very difficult. shooting yeah. film was, not, it was just something that wasn't like really possible on this particular, yeah. because while you could shoot the film, we wouldn't be able to develop it in a timely fashion. And
1: he probably won't like me saying this, but it does look like film. It looks like it a period does. movie film. Yeah. Like it looks like it was yeah. shot on
2: film, on Dirty, like, Super 16 or something, but you know, so. <laughs> that is, an, 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 you know, well thought out, you know, yes. effort. In terms of, like, the cut, I don't recall if Ty was looking at anything while he was in production. I think he was so focused on shooting, yeah. but he had worked with david on the amazon series them mm-hmm. and so and david has you know we call him cash uh has such a great you know kind of vibe personality he's just so easy going and you just know that you know you know that he's he's gonna get it done and he's just a super talented editor yeah. and ty knew the technical challenges going into making acts with like what the split screens and the continuity of like, you know, all these different storylines coming together. I mean, it's there's a lot of technical yeah. uh, know-how. And while Ty is, you know, proficient Avid, it also been probably six years or something since he had touched the Avid himself. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: So so you know, so I think at that point, you know, he made the decision to kind of work with with Cash. And then once we had wrapped on production on X, he was able to then really sit with with Cash and work on the movie, you know, throw scenes out, you know, bring some stuff in, rework it. And so, and while this is happening, the prep on Pearl is underway Mm -hmm. because at this point, Pearl had been greenlit by the studio. So we were going to make it basically uh, back to back and shoot it as soon as like, you know, and that meant art department had to prep the world and then go back in, um, which just also meant that X had to then get to a point in the edit to then (laughs) share with, you know, and then mm-hmm. be on a little bit of hiatus as Pearl is then being shot, and then as soon as yeah. Pearl wraps, you know, four weeks, you know, later. So this is like Ty did look at the X cut maybe on the weekends of Pearl. If I, could, you know, if that, yeah. But I mean, he's in New Zealand, and you know, and there's not, you know, it's yeah. it's like the focus on making these movies, and then the journey to finishing both movies. I mean, this is what you know is where we're at. You know.
1: So from the, from the producing perspective of going into Pearl, you know, it's kind of like, is it, cause I don't know much about it. I don't know whether people do know a lot about Pearl cause it's like kind of a lots on the rats, but like, you know, is it like, well, we've got the world, we've got the sets, we've got the thing we, you
2: know, it's is sufficient to go back in or is it completely different? You know, I think it's, you know, that's described as a, you know almost in a way like a Roger Corman approach, you know, <laughs> yeah, where like, okay. you know, here's a location that, you know, if you've seen the Pearl teaser at the end of X, then you can see that, you know, we are in Pearl's world many yes. years earlier. And so for us, you know, and this is something that Ty has talked about was when we built the world in the sacraments, you know, father's compound Eden parish that only lived for, you know, six, seven weeks. And then all yeah. of a sudden it went away yeah. and, you know, that's like so many resources and, you know, to like to mm-hmm. see it go away was, you know, and so this is like something that, you know, in, in X the house is there, but the other structures were built. So, let's reuse it and yeah. it was cost effective and you know but you know more importantly i mean the pearl script is incredible mm-hmm. so i'm very excited as we we head down the you know you know the world of finishing on that movie and and find out when the movie is going to be shared how
0: amazing can you tell us obviously you've been exec producing for you know a good few years as well as then producing separate movies That's right yeah can you talk about the difference there for you why you wanted to do that and also you know for our listeners you know what how to work with an exec and it's very different to working with a producer yeah
2: i think so the executive producer is is, you know someone involved with the production but may not be you know their full time at least that's you know what i see it as it's not always like the the person that you know that's bringing the financing but you know in many cases in hollywood it is given the 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 career trajectory i've had um and the success i've had you know there's you know, no shortage of, of movies that, you know, I would love to support, you know? And I think something that's uh, common amongst genre filmmakers is this community of support from one another mm. uh, that still exists. I love going to festivals. I mean, last night in New York, I went to Mike Gingold and Ted Gagan's like, hard trivia night um, where, you know, <laughs> loads of people were there having a great, you know, good old time. Some of these other titles that were happening at Glass Eye. So at this point, Jen Wexer had basically come to New York Reached out and was like, I love your movies at Glass Eye. Re- emailed Larry and I mm. and wanted to learn how we made movies. And, you know, I had responded to her as I had just gotten back from the sacrament. And that basically turned into her joining us at Glass Eye. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And, 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 and she started to learn how, like, you know, I post out the movies and then produce them. And then, Built her own conference to produce a movie, which was her first movie was "Most Beautiful Islands," uh, mm-hmm. which also went to yeah. South by, and then mm-hmm. won the you know best narrative uh, <laughs> feature award that year. Yeah,
0: of course it did.
2: <laughs> so she really got you know you know like you know learned about you know how to make movies. At that point and 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 there, I want to. I don't want to diminish the role of the producer at that point, so mm. you know I'm not going to take a producer credit and take that away. And so I'm happy to be an EP because you know I'm not dealing with it on a full time, and especially mm-hmm. on these sort of lower micro budget movies, you know it's like we do make a fee, it's not much, and so yeah. uh, you know and so understandably I'm jumping on these movies and and kind of just supporting the people that I believe in 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 the way that I can. Like another title that I'm really proud of and p- proud of to jump on board, you know after that uh, is also Like Me that Jen mm-hmm. goes on to produce around Mockler and then when I got to LA like I mean it's like you know so a funny story it's like you know met a, a guy at a bar and he's like oh I just made my first horror movie you know cool you know you, you know, what do you do and like had no idea who <laughs> I love that what do you do <laughs> and, and I was you know oh I know some stuff about horror movies and being like <laughs> I've watched a few he, he knows, he, he's googled you he, he, he's you're, like you're the mark at this point he's like that, P- oh that's yeah. Peter
1: over there at the, uh, he was the yeah,
0: policeman
2: the but uh, you know, lo and behold, like you know, I was you know, I kind of enjoyed his you know camaraderie, and yeah. you know, I was like, yeah, let me take a look. You know, he's like, yeah, we haven't gone to any festivals yet. You know, we're sort of finishing post, and they said, perfect. All right, well, I'll take a look, and I was open to checking it out. I'm like, oh, what am I getting into? Yeah, yeah exactly. We go. And, yeah. yeah, and I watched the movie, and I was like, oh my god, like you know, the movie, you know, you know, the movie, like really sustained me, and the ending was just phenomenal for me. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, I really liked this. And I was like walking around my neighborhood, and I was like really feeling like, well, uh, impacted by the. Movie, yeah, and the movie's one br. It's David. One br. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, that movie's already locked by the time I see it. So I mean, it's that's the movie that this mm-hmm. gets out there, and I'm like, well, I'm happy to champion this movie. And even before they invited me on officially in, as an EP, you know, I was happy to, to 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 send a note to Fantasia Film Festival, Mitch Davis, the, you know, head programmer there, who okay. you know was delighted to hear from me and said that the movie had already been on a short list, and so they were already considering oh, it. You know, yeah. and but you know, my little bit. Of you know, kind of push you know, you know, mm-hmm. certainly help them make a decision to invite the film, and I was then informing the producers who just started their new company. Their background was in movie testing for the studios for many years, um, which is its own sort of like science, very different approach. And so I was able to guide these younger filmmakers into the world of, you know, of, of film festivals sales and distribution and and help um, not only get the film out into the festival circuit, but also into the hands of Amazing. Dark Sky who, you know, who, who ended up picking up the film and, and taking the film out. And then later, because of the, you know, the positivity from the reviews, Netflix ended up picking up the movie and putting it up on you know their window, and then it it popped to number one in the first week that it came out. I mean, it was yeah, it was really exciting for a really tiny movie. Yeah. Were you the
1: guy that was the uh, sent them the email with the PDF of deliverables list and said, guys, this is what you got to now. Tackle
2: <laughs> the, <laughs> the dreaded
1: list of deliverables. <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: Well, I will. I, I I'm the guy that's like, where's that list of deliverables from for day one? Because yeah, I yeah. wanna. I want to yeah. I want to budget those deliverables. And then like, <laughs> let me tell you, deliverables have changed over the years, and in ways it's gotten easier. But and also, um, you know, delivering for A twenty four. I mean, it was the biggest list I've ever seen. And it really? Was, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. What, what more did they want? <laughs> I mean, it's they, they need the PG
1: thirteen cut. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: nothing, nothing like that. I mean, it's like every you know, you know, it, um, and they're very very filmmaker friendly. I mean, even down to you know. I think hearing for, you know, the deaf or the impaired in terms of what's on screen, I mean, they Mm -hmm. literally asked Ty like, you know, do you want the music lyrics to come up? You know, which I thought was an extraordinary question to ask the filmmaker and that's, you know, that's how much care was going into it. But now when we're dealing with, you know, a, a big, a studio that's delivering, you know, on a bigger scale, the world of Dolby and Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision, I mean, it's just, there's so many different flavors. And then you're also delivering a theatrical version for the DCP, you're delivering, a home video version with a near field mix, um, the mm-hmm. different flavors of all the audio seven one five one two zero.
1: You love this stuff, Peter. You love yeah. it. <laughs> 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 you love it, Peter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which which we love, absolutely love. In terms of like. Back when you first started and the finance was, okay, maybe, you know, 15 grand, like you said, and then it went up and up and up. How is it now for you to finance a film? Obviously, you've got your name behind it. You've got Ty West's name or, you know, whoever else is, you you are now names Mm -hmm. in the industry. Has Mm -hmm. it, I imagine it has, you know, you get an A24 on. How does it work now when you're financing a movie? Do you get the script from Ty? Let's use Ty as an example. And then do you put it out and go, who wants to... Put money into this. If you don't mind talking us through how it works now for you compared and just run us through which you prefer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the 15 grand,
1: obviously. Yeah. I mean,
2: you know, I think, I think the world of, of, of film financing, you know, that continues to evolve and it's different. And, and you know, and Ty I may not to be the best example of, you know, because he is so established. And so for Ty, mm. you know, I mean, you know, making X, I mean, he was just like, he wrote it and basically knew A24, and said, like, if they're not going to say yes to this script, then like, I don't, you know, it's too wild and no one's going to make it, you know? Right. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that was, that was the approach there. But I would say with other filmmakers, you know, I think, you know, the name gets the opportunity to, 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 to submit a lot easier. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's still challenging in in kind of finding the, 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 re- the recipe for it to make fiscal sense for all the parties, you know, it's always about you know mitigating the risk and balancing you know the story elements with the production value in combination with like you know real fiscal costs in terms of like you know tax incentives, which is something that like you know mm-hmm. is where we're all chasing. Where can we go that has a viable tax incentive that also offers us the locations, and then. the the filmmaking, you know, crew base, you know, because, you know, you can't afford to bring everyone everywhere all the time. So you need to lean on to the local filmmaking community. And then you got to think about, well, who's, you know, what other productions are going on there? And like, you know, and can we talk to some previous productions about the quality and the experience level? Because like while I'm from New York and now living in LA and have experience working with those crews, when you're traveling the world, we were really fortunate X to 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 get, you know, you know, one of the best crews in the world. I mean, they're working on Avatar Two, you mm-hmm. know, and they're on an hiatus. And so I mean, these are gifted. You know, craftspeople and technicians, you know, who are there. And it's, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it's an element, I mean, you know, of, a, of, of getting everyone still excited about, you know, the, the work that's ahead. And so when I'm approaching a project and I still work with a lot of sort of younger filmmakers in their careers. So they're, they're, who aren't as well established. And so we're still, you know, having to sort of inform everyone of, of what it is that we're setting out to do. So I think we're in, in, incredibly inclusive of the the creative material and the creative agenda. The key grip may not want to read the script, but you know,
1: here's the script. Um was there any you said A24, you know, he's very supportive of Ty and stuff. Was it like straight in going, this is gonna be a hard R, like, it's gonna be nothing else, you know, like in terms of the marketplace and stuff, like you know, it used to be that R rated is just death. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but true. like even yeah. things like like, oh, Joker, and imagine the helped Apple Tights come out. That's an R-rated commercial movie. So, like, was there any, was there even a thought about making it, like, slightly softer? God God forbid. No, no. (laughs) God
2: forbid. I don't know how you would. I mean, I think that, I mean, the real concern was, like, you know, I think even Ty was, like, you know, Ty's like, I can't believe we got an R. I mean, I mean, that was, <laughs> yeah. you know, the the, the the bigger concerning because I think the NC-17 rating is, is sort of the death on a movie, That's right? the death, yeah, 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 yeah. But even now, people are like, oh, I have to give this an R? Oh, maybe it can be this, you know? For the longest time, we used to, you know we would make our movies without the rating and then, you know, leave it to the distributor to go submit and get it. And then, yeah. you know, but, but nothing was, has been, was wild as X. I mean, this truly, you know, but you know, I, I think when I talk about, you know, the experience I had it, you know, with a 24, I mean, they're just so supportive. I mean, it's like they, you know, once they like are on board with the script, it's, it's just about how do we support Ty's vision, but still being responsible. And, and I think that, and that's why like going to Texas and making the leader in the pandemic wasn't going to be, You know, it it wasn't cost effective. It would be more expensive with COVID and the the cost of COVID provisions. Plus, like as Ty, you know, can easily say, it's like, you know, it's not a very social distant movie. Um, You know, there's a lot of intimacy in it and you want it to, you don't want to be shooting this kind of movie and then, you know, in fear of, you know, uh, of people getting COVID. It it, it just didn't make sense. And so it was a very special situation where, you know, New Zealand was, you know, able to, we were able to get the production in and, you know, they, I think unlike the rest of the world were not living in the lockdown states that, that we were in at the time mm-hmm. of production. You know, once they reopened, I mean, like, you know, COVID did come in, but by the time they had reopened, vaccinations are up, you know, almost, yeah. I think, 90%. So different, you know, sort of response to, to the pandemic. But, you know, I think it's, it's just taking advantage of the, of, of the circumstances, you know? I think Ty was, you know, really clever to, you know, take his idea, and during lockdown, when he, he had to, when he got into New Zealand, I think it was a minimum two-week lockdown. You can't, you're in, like, luxury jail. You know, you're yeah. in the hotel, you, you know, you're you given hours of like, you know, yard time, you know, outdoor time, <laughs> uh, meals are brought over to you. So, uh, but you know, you're on Zooms and stuff. And so, you know, the sets were sort of like, you know, you know, kind of moving forward. So at that point, what can he control? It's just, you know, the yeah. time that he has there. And so he wrote the script for Pearl in, in, in that. <laughs> Brilliant. Quarantine period. <laughs> yeah. And then once it exists, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, an idea isn't anything until it's a script, you know, and yeah, then yeah. it becomes yeah. more tangible. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, when I'm trying to put a package together for a movie, I need the script. And then going all the way back to I of the Dead, I mean, that lesson I learned when getting Dominic, it's like the more materials that you can put, you know, to convince people, and it doesn't matter how many no's that you get, it's the one yes that, that matters. Some movies take an incredibly long time to put together, and other movies can kind of come just, you know, effortlessly because of the timing. And, you know, and so sometimes it's like, as I mean, I guess advice to filmmakers is like, you know, have a lot of ideas, you know, a lot of irons in the fire, you know, always chase the one that you're most passionate about making, but, you know, pay attention to what's going on in the world. And, you know, and if you haven't afford yourself the opportunity to attend film festivals and, and, and see what, seems to be kind of catching on you know but i also think that you know if you make something unique you will find an audience for it Mm -hmm. you know because Mm -hmm. we're all hungry for like you know really awesome you know unique stories and you know it's like yeah so i'm excited that we're now starting to see movies that have been like kind of kept back for a long time because of the pandemic finally starting to come yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I think we're going to be treated to a lot of really fun stuff.
1: It's great. Uh, and now as a, as a producer, you know, you're in production company and you can kind of probably look at scripts and things in terms of like diversity in, in, in Hollywood and the industry and that kind of thing. Is it like, do you now feel that finally now you can have that say about those kind of filmmakers or actors or writers or stuff to kind of get new voices in? You know, like, because obviously there's been some great successes with, you know, from Marvel, you know, with, <laughs> with uh, <laughs> yeah, Shang-Chi sure. down to like craziest agents to like, you know, all this stuff. It's just kind of an important thing to, to talk about the kind of diversity side of it. Like, yeah,
2: no, I, I appreciate you guys. Um, yeah. you yeah, uh, know, recognizing that. Um, I mean, it's something that obviously always have talked about and, and probably, in my own way, pushed and encouraged. But I think now, um, especially like, you know, with the recent, like, um, certainly in America, like, you know, this sort of like, you know, we're we're trying to stop the hate, you know, amongst the Asian Mm -hmm. community, you know, I'm from New York, you know, it's so diverse here. And so it's so, bizarre for me that, you know, there's this kind of divide. You know, I'm in Los Angeles. I run a production company and we do a lot of, you know, commercial content as well. You know, I love, you know, kind of changing up and always encourage, you know, department heads to bring in women, people of color like, you know, let's, let's you know, because like, I think, you know, that's just going to give us opportunity for, you know, more fresh ideas. But now I'm in a position to start to kind of like, you know, look for that and command for that, you know, in front of camera as well. Yeah. And so, some of the projects I'm, you know, beginning to develop I'm, I'm more actively and more vocal about it because you know it is time i think you know the the, the, sh- the shy guy in me from high school you know is you know it's mm-hmm. finally ready to emerge to yeah. to kind of like <laughs> speak out and,
1: and you're and you're in a position to you're making genre like commercial you know and i mean that in a positive not you know the dirty word of like genre commercial, <laughs> like, yeah. like great smart, you know, commercial film that, that are for mass audience. So it feels like you're in a great position to be able to bring these voices and these, you know, represent people on screen to the masses. now like you're trying to make this small, quiet drama about something that might only be seen by a few people. It's kind of exciting to see what, what is that horror film? What is that kind of, yeah. you know, sci-fi? What is that kind of side of it? I think that's kind of cool.
0: The, the young, shy boy in you looking back now at all these cult films that you have been a huge huge part of you know the list goes on but some we haven't even talked about but state land you know we have the innkeepers the house of the devil you know these are films that for me and phil and for so many filmmakers listening like hugely inspired by and it's one of the you know they're called incredible movies And I suppose it's just really nice to sort of, you know, you should be very proud of where you're at. You should be incredibly, you know, pleased with what you've done. And I know it's so hard, the filmmaking world, but, you know, it really is an honour to chat to someone like yourself who has done this and has given your time here to chat about filmmaking, to give the advice back. And it's so important. But I suppose I wanted to ask that now, how does it feel to be, you know, part of this wonderful, you know, stream of movies you've made? (laughs) Yeah. Still <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, well, I think being in New York for this MoMA retrospective has been a real good time for me to, to yeah. reflect. And it was, it was a big reason why I came over here and, and, and I sat through the movies and it's been really fun to rewatch and, and, and kind of, because I think, you know, life, you know, is, is always moving forward. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, and what the, you know, I think we're just, you know, this is just the beginning of what, you know, the next know what the future of what filmmaking and 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 distribution and consumption all look like as you know we enter into the world of metaverse and you know Mm -hmm. but yeah taking the time it 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 is incredibly rewarding and and you know i'm very proud and i do appreciate that you know this community you know because Mm -hmm. you know it's you know uh, you know unlike i think other other movies like i don't think they are as lucky to get the annual sort of you know revisit because you know every halloween it's like all the titles like kind of pop up in my Mm -hmm. life, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, and you know, it's a reminder of like, you know, time well spent you know i'll say that
0: That's amazing yeah. honestly huge congratulations uh thank you so much for giving so much amazing amazing advice peter Polk, thank you so much honestly this has been incredible uh yeah, x you, is out now in cinemas go seek it out it will be uh on demand very soon as well on your streaming platforms we will send links to that very soon but for now go catch it in cinemas all around the world Go do it. Thank you. Again, honestly, this has been amazing. You can go make your indie film. You can do it just as Peter has done. You can build up a career. You can make things happen. You can make cult films and you can keep doing it and delving a path for future filmmakers as well. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty, Phil.
1: To send the elevator back down. But <laughs> Peter basically gets everyone in the elevator and just sends them up at the same time. Same time. So, like, you know, Which it's he's, he's changing it's, the metaphor slightly. But yeah, it's it cool. (laughs) he is but
0: we love it again thank you again Peter thank you so much for your time can people find you on the socials by the way and say hello and say thank you for your time absolutely
2: yeah for sure I'm on you know Instagram and you know I'm not the most active uh, on Twitter but you know yeah you can get at me just you know at Peter Pope
0: we will put a link to that in the show notes as well link to everything we've talked about should be in the show notes if not harass us Um, thank you (laughs) 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 that's what we do this for Uh, take care everyone we will see you next Tuesday as always thanks Phil by the way thank you you for joining us today no worries absolute pleasure all right, take care peter
2: uh, thank you guys so much it's been a blast really enjoyed uh, revisiting all these movies with you and really appreciate uh your podcast excellent
0: Woo-hoo! thank you buddy
2: cheers everyone bye. Bye.
0: bye the filmmakers podcast is kept going by your generous support to hear some bonus content from today's episode and future content subscribe to our patreon